Greetings everyone, this is V, aka Vernon English, and I'm excited this morning slash day because I get the opportunity to explain to you the ending of one of the beginnings of a new storyline. Now, the cool part about this series was that I really wanted it to be something thinking now as it initially started as a one shot but like I said in the, in the past installments I wanted to continue it now before I go into this long giant spill about how this story came about and this is called Mission Renewed this is a continuation of the Murphy storyline and you could basically parallel it as or analogy or analyze it as um, a mer person or a mermaid. The thing is, the way that the story developed became something more than I could ever um, dream of. And it just started taking a life of its own. And I... Once again, I, I always talk about being excited about stuff, but I was really excited about that. I was not anticipating it. And thusly, when I think about a subject and it has me going off on tangents in my mind, then I know I'm on to something and carefully have crafted something thusly so. So, basically, what ensued was that people forgot their memories. Okay, so this is all over the celestial in the world, this particular world. And this princess is in the ocean and she forgot her memories mysteriously. And so she goes on and she goes about figuring out her senses and figuring out, well, she's surrounded by this liquid and she breathes it. The usual things that one would go about um, under the consideration and the constraint of losing their memories and amnesia. And so then she wanders to this door, and the door is alive with coral, with all these other different things. And she looks and observes it, and it opens because the door wasn't previously there. And so then she opens the door or goes through the threshold and comes out on this other room that was not previously there either, almost as if it was a mirage. And then she hears a voice, turns around, and sees all these other mer-freaks there that were not previously there, almost as if it was like this iridescent or luminescent room where the light could not bend to this particular space from the sunlight above, but instantly the light just lights up. And I was talking about how it was like Tron or something like this, the way all of the Murphy's, you could see their skeletal structure, you could see all the other different details, and then they could speak. And she could hear them, obviously, with her mind, but then she began speaking anyway. And basically what they're saying is that she had a charge, or basically they're asking of her, even under constraint. And I don't even allude as to how they remember their memories or what of their memories they remember. But 
they are very adamant about stressing to her that she has some sort of duty and she can readily accept it or she can go about and they would not judge her thusly. And they literally say this, not in so much layman's terms, but in a roundabout way. And the way that the story progressed is that I wanted her to have this sense of aha moment. To even wake up and to realize these certain things, one would think that you would spend time asking questions, going through, being excited to see family again or to see others that look like you and then to be met with uh, a, another door that slams to say that you're leaving and that you're going on a journey that is one of a kind and you have an ultimatum at the beginning is a very serious thing and I wanted to just stress that as to the age frame uh, her being in the early 20s the way that I wanted to shoot it in my head and I wanted to just access some part of mystery by not answering the questions we get so many and I've said this before but I will say it to I'm blue in the face of answering certain things or we have a certain instance where we are accustomed to how certain things turn out and we expect it and we expect answers and in certain instances even in nature even if a tree fails or something makes a noise in the forest doesn't make a sound type of mentality and not everything is readily explained in by theory and so i wanted that to be of note and like uh i was mentioning other in another cast about rod serling and Alfred Hitchcock and his hour and how important the level of suspense is and this isn't even from a seasoned writer I am just someone who by chance loves to have these stories draw me in and the drawing in of the story is the thing that has me anticipating of the surprise or it leads to the suspense and some of the best writers I know, such as Neil Gaiman, such as Aldix Huxley, such as uh, Rod Serling, like I mentioned before, the, these guys are few and far between of writers who have these abilities to initially draw the senses in, sounds, smells, anything that one could think of that you place yourself vicariously in the seat of the characters that are being portrayed. And when you do that, there's identifiably something that someone can have a connection to. And, and that was the biggest thing for this part of the story was to have someone have a connection to this said character. And if the, I, I know this. Because if you don't have a connection with the character, then how can you continue reading? You initially have a connection with anything that you are viewing or anything that you are experiencing just by proxy. And if you don't have a connection with it, then it tends to not fall stale, but 
you will not have the same zeal of cracking the next page unless you, you feel a, a sense of inherent emotional connection, something that you would experience and you could feel that, oh, okay, well, that character did that. I, I could definitely see myself doing that type of mentality, and that is what I wanted throughout this whole theme of introducing this said character. I even mentioned her name and anybody else. I just called them a goddess or Murfried. And that was just ambiguous, like, but just to show how the introduction of characters and certain elements were not needed just yet unless you wanted to go into it. There's many different ways of explaining how characters develop or how they can go about and change themselves and, and go and resolute certain situations that are insurmountable to us or to a normal person. And the other thing that I will leave with this, and I'll comment off after I read uh, part of the segment, is that if you place yourself in these ambiguous life situations and you don't explain it, you, you have an ability to craft a world that, or scenarios that are endless. And it's an endless amount of scenarios that you can play with and go through and cycle through and, and strengthen based off of that and the fact that anything is possible and can exist. But before I go on that super, super long tangent, I'll just comment and say that, yeah, the second book was pretty... I, I like cycling through this book. Um, it symphonically, just words-wise, symphonically as if it was music, but... Just, and I'll explain. Hold on. It says, Mission Renewed. As the Murphy world that the notion of all this was a dream, speaking with otherworldly beings, had her head churning, burning, and questions surrounded by liquid relearning. The goddess, her mother, charged her with service. A golden turtle-like being swam by her side. This was but one of your guides. He will teach you what you have forgotten. Protect him with your life even when you yourself are hurting. Flabbergasted at such a serious command, the Murfred accepted in agreement with all of her brethren in attendance. None but one noticed that her hand was scratching her head as she smiled ceaseless to the current situation. Okay, so as I was mentioning before, they were giving her these serious ultimatums and charges as this princess royal lineage of whatever it was that she just presupposed it to be. And then she had this other charge of taking care of a golden turtle, one being the golden turtle, and then two, the turtle actually speaking and being cognizant and sentient. So it's almost as if she was just presented with all of these different things and she just got inundated with paperwork and she had to sign to go and do certain cool things. And she basically agreed. She wasn't upset about any of the circumstances or how she was presented. Or even her loss of memories, which was also 
a weird and interesting thing which uh, will affect her later. But I wanted to show a lighthearted side to just how uh, a story can develop in Celestial versus the killing, the raping, the pillaging, and inherent chaos that ensued from people from getting their memory, forgetting their memories, and the greed and the overall sense of plight that one would experience by surviving and then knowing what it is that they needed to survive. So, and so, I'll comment and say that when leaving all of these details out, even in a, a, a format like this, and I generally say poem, but I kind of scoff at that title because I never wanted to just be under something that turns into a nursery school rhyme when the rhyme scheme is not so simple and not just of alliteration or comparing it to like or as. There is something else that develops from something that you leave the details out of. And it could be and turn into so many other different things, but you, you just have to be careful so that the character doesn't come off as if something is missing, uh, whether it be the description of their exterior or how they speak. It all correlates into how you develop how this character comes off. And so I just wanted her mother or the goddess to have this sense of nobility and then to speak to her and almost as if read her mind of all the things that she was experiencing to give some comfort. And so that's why I was like, well, she was flabbergasted at such a serious command to Murphred accepted an agreement with all of her brethren in attendance. And then it, she basically says, do not fret or fear, my child. All of your questions will be answered in their own time. After a while, you will return here, a victor. Nodding her forgetful head made this moment the more wild. Where in Celestial would they send her? That, my child, is your own decision. Where would you like to be born once more? The golden turtle answered without voice, the archipelago. And so that's when the notion of not interjecting comments or details has me with playing with elements, not even mentioning names or even mentioning certain origin parts adds this liberty of guessing. Even after I'm explaining this to you, you're still going to be guessing as to, well, what do these characters look like? And if one wants to ask me, I could go into implicit detail and from top to bottom, head to toe, explain to you how they are different than anything that you had seen before and not from science fiction, uh, outer space novels or something like this or graphic novels. Something that is the best description of Requiem of a dream that is a moving dream versus something that is just stagnant and doesn't move. And it's almost a living dream where everything is moving or in motion, the waters, the colors, uh, the sounds, and how the environment is alive and moves in itself. Something, the best description I can give would be akin to uh, the forest 
that existed uh, where the Green King and the Little Villagator, uh, the two Green Kings, excuse me, and one of the other reasoning why both of those stories will intersect uh, later on. Now, fun fact, I came up with that just by recording uh, these podcasts as far as a plot twist on where to do and what to do with said series. And I was very curious because I wanted it to be lighthearted, but not so much that it seemed out of place in said story of serious things going on, people dying, uh, people looking for certain things, and the inherent odd conversation. But the story isn't so much a Disney story. It can be looked at it as such, but it begins in such a vein that it, it, it was as if anybody could have this dream, whether they're a man or a woman, and, and to experience certain things and qualities, and to have that uh, makes it that much more special because it's something that I would love to read over and over again. There's no point in time where I'm disappointed at a story that I crafted, and, and that's how I know I'm on to something, where each and every one of these stories has a unique quality that is different than a story previously from it. And one could only think of that as in Rod Serling having different writers for each and every episode. And that's from the Twilight Zone back in the 1950s and 60s. They had different writers for almost just about every episode and Rod Serling would guest star and and writing certain parts but they were all collaborators in this said project that brought about something and that's why I was talking about it like it was a one shot because it initially was so basically I liked where this story was going and I wanted and, and I wrestled with it in my mind for a while like well where's the story going where could I do with this and I started interjecting different characters to satiate that answer until I came up with something else in the story but I just wanted to leave you guys with that and, and say that this was a major part of the second book for a reason um, the third book doesn't comment on it as much or basically add on to what happened in said second book by adding other different characters from the first and second. But this one plays a major role in the fourth book and has an intersecting storyline that is interestingly enough because the Green King and the Little Litigator are on their own mercurial, mercurial or ambitious journey themselves. To witness what it is that humanity or my version of this story's humanity experiences and they go through and to see the trials and tribulations of the worst of someone is a very damning thing it's almost as if going and instantly becoming a firefighter and seeing the uh, first responding things to people in uh, tragic situations uh, does not only change you but it, it creates a wrinkle on your soul as far as looking at humanity differently and looking at different light looking at it in a different light and so I'll, I'll describe that process for uh, the young green king and the elder green king and the young man 
um, experiencing these things and the conversations that will happen from there. But then too, almost also have that in mind where this princess experiences not the same thing and not the same scenarios, but has something in mind when she's experiencing these things for the first time as well and these, these cultures and ethics in a world where people have forgotten their memories and so they are explaining certain things to her whether it is good or bad it is completely up to the reader and the narrator or narration but I, I didn't want it to be such black and white I wanted it to be of a colorful essence that you, you saw it as a, a wrinkle in the brain and the experience of learning something different and having an open mind about it it's generally the case and the magic that comes from that and understanding the differences between us. And, and when you think of it that way and that childlike uh, zeal, you inherently make space for all of these amazing moments and amazing conversations to culminate and surprises to happen from there. So I appreciate you guys for listening. This is V, a.k.a. Verlin English. Thanks for going on this journey. And the more you guys respond, the faster it is that I upload. And I actually have a little uh, special surprise for anyone uh, who basically subscribes. And thank you guys for listening. And yeah, the more you guys uh, respond, the faster I upload. And I'll have a surprise for the upload today. So I'll be looking for that. And thank you so much. Hit the subscribe button. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you.